1: This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Scarlett Fu. Next in sports is a Bloomberg Originals program. It's actually a series that explores new sports as well as innovations and existing pastimes. And what it does is highlight what's happening around the corner and oftentimes across the globe. And for this week's edition, hosts Jason Kelly and Vanessa Perdomo explore Athletes Unlimited, which is a business model more than it is a sport. It does dabble in sports, of course. It's focused on four different sports, but I'll let them explain.
2: Yeah, it's. It, I think it's an entirely new business model yeah. in, in a lot of ways. I I also love this episode because I really feel like of all of them, this is like our world's colliding.
3: Totally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like the money, the women's sports that we've been talking about for a long time. And they talked a lot about with Angela Ruggiero at Sports Innovation Lab, but we've done a lot of work with them. So it it was a really inclusive episode, I think.
2: And it was fun because, you know, this is you know we, we talk so much about sort of the Bloomberg of it all. And I mean, this whole idea starts with John Patrick off and Jonathan Soros, it's like, if you walked around Bloomberg headquarters, and you're like, Soros, Patrickoff, people be like, what? Yep, paying attention. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously these are legendary names on, on Wall Street, you know, their respective fathers, you know, Alan Patrickoff is, yeah, absolutely a a titan of the venture capital world. George Soros, of course, is like George Soros. Um, And so seeing, I think, sports through their eyes, at least for me, again, from like a Wall Street perspective, was like, oh, wow, like, It's a true kind of follow the money story, I think.
3: Yeah. And I think that the way they talk about it, too, you know, and when you when you talk to them about it, they're using their business mind. But I really like what Jonathan had to say was it's not just about making money. You know, you think you think about all these other things that people care about in their lives and it comes together in that way. So let's
1: back up a little bit here because Athletes Unlimited does not pinpoint a specific sport. It doesn't even pinpoint women specifically over men, right? It's it's more of a business model. What is this business model and how is it different from the NFL, the MLB, the NBA?
3: So they took this idea of there's not a lot of... Uh, some of these uh, sports they start with. So there's four sports they do. It's softball, volleyball, lacrosse, and basketball. And it is just women's sports. Okay. And they started with softball and volleyball and lacrosse in this way that they don't really have other professional leagues for women. So they thought, let's create this, but let's create it in a different way. That's not, a legacy of a man's existing league of a, a men's league, like the NBA and the NFL. Let's create it in a different way where all of these things are, you know, you do a ton of research on people care. Women sports fans care a lot about the players themselves. So they made this model that is specifically for the players. It's player run. They actually each um, sport has a player executive committee where they, talk about what they need, what they want the league to look like, what they want it to run like. And it is very, you know, they had a lot of say. And then it's, it changes every week. So it's, there's uh, four captains Mm -hmm. every week and they get to draft their own team every single week. So So the composition of the team changes every week. It's crazy. Yeah. And so it's an interesting thing where it's like, if you're watching a game, you'll never see those two teams play hey. ever again you know for, it's, a it's a once for, in a lifetime kind of thing exactly so it was 5 weeks they have everyone come to one location and they start with 4 players they draft their teams and then from there they have a scoring system and a leaderboard and whoever's the leaders of the next 4 of the at the end of that week they become the captains they draft their team
2: and what's what i found so interesting was maybe not surprisingly you know these guys did an assessment of all the teams that are out there. You know, they looked at NWSL, presumably WNBA, you know, these existing women's sports leagues. And they essentially sat back and said, but what if we just started over? Like, I I mean, the the exact quote is, what if we started with a blank sheet of paper, which, you know, for a business person is like the dream, Mm -hmm. right? It's Mm -hmm. like, what if we could just like start again and build it from a totally different premise, you know, player led, player focused and, you know, they've raised $30 million. Mm-hmm. I think they they raised in in the last couple of years. And, you know, it, it's catching on from a viewership perspective. But, I, you know, I mean, it's a it's a big swing. Pun it's intended. A swing to,
3: it's a big swing to to change the traditional sports model, right? It's And I don't think we have enough time sitting here right now for you to actually understand all the nuances that right. go into the changing of the teams and all of that stuff. But... When you look at just the idea of it being player run, player led and player focused, you you want to know those stories. And we've talked about this a lot in, you know, the drive to survive and Formula One got really popular here in the U.S. because you started to learn more about the drivers themselves. Storytelling. So it's about the storytelling. They were very you know, focused on that, telling the stories of all the women who play in this league.
2: I The other thing that I think as you're talking, I'm thinking about this, that, you know, often we talk to athletes and the athletes are really talking about like their game. Maybe they're talking about their brand. This felt very different. And you were there in, in Dallas VP to to see it. These athletes who are involved spend a lot of time thinking about the league, which mm-hmm. I think is really different and, yeah. and and I don't know they're not dis- just hired guns in other yeah. ways. exactly
3: and you know when I spoke to one of the players who's on the player executive committee who is a WNBA champion not you know just a player she's a WNBA champion nine-year veteran Natasha Cloud she said that this was the first time she genuinely felt like as a professional athlete she had a say and that people were listening to them saying wait maybe the players are you know the value mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and they're they're thinking of it in a in a different way like that. And I think it's very it's very different.
2: Right yeah. It, sorry. Go ahead. No. No.
3: So I'm glad you bring up uh, Natasha because mm-hmm. one thing
1: I noticed when I was watching the video is how you have these superstars um, in Athletes Unlimited. What is the relationship between AU and the WNBA? Because there is former WNBA talent that's now part of EU. Do they coordinate with each other or is it former WNBA players or do they kind of politely ignore each other?
3: No, they are current WNBA players. You know, Natasha Cloud is literally playing for the Washington Mystics right now. So you now. can still do this on the side yes, cuz it's they and they it's sp- timed. they stagger it, yeah. right? In a way that it's they started playing in February. They were they only do 5 weeks so that it was done. The idea behind it is they're not the same and every player who is a WNBA player in this made sure to say this isn't a mini WNBA. This isn't a G League. Mm -hmm. This isn't a player development. This is for women who don't get a chance to play in the W, to play here, as well as not having to go overseas in the offseason. That's a
2: huge point, I think. I mean, as sort of a, it's complimentary because, you know, the entire saga and the tragedy, I would say, of of Brittany Griner's Mm -hmm. imprisonment Mm -hmm. was, She had to economically she had to play overseas. She was not making enough money as a professional athlete in the United States. So she had to go play in Russia. So, I mean, the underlying economics of this, I think, are extremely important. And, you know, we'll sort of see whether this particular um, model catches on. But, yeah, I I think that's a it's it's really important to understand sort of this.
0: at cuttereconomicforum.com. And then you were talking about storytelling
1: and how there's an emphasis on storytelling in Athletes Unlimited because it's so player-centric. It's so player-driven. I mean, that makes me think about how women's sports have to kind of create their own storytelling and then amplify it on their own, whereas men's sports don't really need to do it. They have the infrastructure around them, right? There's sports radio. There's regular beat reporters covering each team and the league itself. So they can kind of take that for granted. It's generated on its own.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that They, the women's athletes know that and it's not lost on them that they need to tell their own stories you know one of the players we talked to who is also a WNBA player but she's very she has a thousand jobs you know she's an ACC analyst Lexi Brown she plays for the Los Angeles Sparks and she does all these things knowing that she's the one who has to put her voice out there more and she's very big on social media she's tweeting all day Instagram all the time TikToks whenever she can and I think for her she knows that it's her Job to put her her face and her voice out there, so that other little girls or other little boys can know their story and look up to them Mm -hmm. in a different way.
2: Can I ask you a question? What what was because you went to Dallas? I did not like you saw it in action. The basketball, like what was the vibe? Like how was it different? I mean, you've been to a lot of basketball games. Yeah, I
3: think that. The The cool thing was they they hand out, you know, everyone hands out towels and, you know, whatever, but they don't have anyone's name on them. They can't have numbers or anything. Yep. It's just yeah. the color. Like it's changing, right. Yeah, it's just the color of the jersey that you're, like, wanting to hold up that day, like whoever you came to buy. You know, there wasn't a ton of people there. Yeah. They had definitely, you know, there was a couple of local AAU teams. Like, there usually are in, I guess most professional sports have that, but typically women's sports do have to invite more teams um like that and mm-hmm. i and then they had the court side was the same as like any NBA yeah. WNBA game people were stunned out you know like they were ready to be on camera right so you fit right in yeah yeah, yeah. i was ready for it yeah. um so i think the vibe was very made sure that whoever was going to be shown looked great and they looked the part and it was a professional environment. It genuinely did feel like very professional, very real, but there wasn't that many people there.
1: So this is five weeks of an intense tournament. Is it like that for all five weeks or does it kind of peter out towards the end? Because you might be a big, big sports fan and you could go for a bit of it, but you're not going to stay there for the whole five weeks.
3: Right. So I think that's the interesting thing that because it's five weeks, they have to rely on and they only stay in one place. They have to rely on their broadcast more than yeah. people showing up. Yeah. And John and Jonathan both said that they really want to make sure they're putting out a good product for TV because the people who are coming are mostly just local people. You know, there mm-hmm. there is one little girl who is a huge, huge basketball fan she's like an au super fan and i think her parents do stay there all five weeks they they're like always there um and she has like little jerseys made like it's really cute but i think she's the only one there that's
2: she's an outlier she's an outlier yeah and the
3: players definitely loved her i I,
1: oh
2: my god yeah (laughs) they
3: they know her she knows all the players she's has like all their jerseys yeah it's really is this a profitable league or not model? yet.
2: Our understanding is not yet. I mean, they're they're definitely investing, you know, into it at at this point. I mean, what they are betting on, and you know, whether it's you know, NWSL, which we talk about in a, in a later episode. You know, there's an investment in the future for sure. Sponsors are starting to to show up. You know, media rights are 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 a huge part of this. So I think profits still. TK, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we say. But, um, you know, certainly they're in it for the long haul. That was the sense we got. So
1: the players are getting pl- uh, paid
2: any yes. yes. time. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yes. The the players make eight weeks base salary for five weeks, $8,000 for five weeks. And then they can bonus, depending on where they are in the leaderboard, up to like 20000 I think. And when you look at that compared to WNBA salaries, it's actually very comparable it's competitive, already yeah. because mm-hmm. of the short amount of time they're already they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look at how long the WNBA season is, it, they're actually very comparable. And I think that one of the things for them is they made sure to invest in not just player salary, but the the way the players live and, you know, mm-hmm. The way they train, they, you know, they give them a place to stay. They give them gym memberships mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and nannies for moms who want to bring their kids. You know, like everything like that. It's, it's thoughtful. It's thoughtful. You know, it's there's more to it than just what they're getting paid. And I think that they, the players themselves are really thankful for that. It's I mean, it was
1: fascinating. And I like the idea of these intense tournaments. It's how, how aware are WNBA fans, for instance, of Athletes Unlimited?
2: Yeah, we did a little work around that. I mean, sort of anecdotal work around it. I mean, it's it's definitely working to get some some recognition. I mean, I think the idea, and VP, I'm sure you have a, a, an opinion about this. I think there is like a rising tide situation. I mean, the WNBA, I feel like, is having its best year in a, in a while. There are some really great storylines. I mean, here in New York, we went to a watch party um, for – the opening game of, mm-hmm. of the, the Liberty first, this year. The first Liberty game. Yeah. And uh, it, it was bumping. Mm-hmm. And and so I think, you know, one of the things VP mentioned, Angela Ruggiero and, and her group, Sports Innovation Lab, who've done a lot of work around the fluid fan, like the fans are showing up. And so it really is about if you can get it to the fans, they will continue c- to consume it. But I mean, it is, it, it's a climb. I, they think, to they get the made a
3: deal with WNBA. So the AU games were on WNBA league pass this yeah. year. Oh. So I think that after this season, they're probably more aware than they were for the first I season see. of um, Athletes Unlimited. But yeah, I think that what Jason's saying, it's, it's, when we went to that bar, it was about maybe half and half. Maybe <laughs> half yeah, people yeah. knew it, watched it also, but. Uh, some people were completely unaware so i think you know with any startup i mean it's only their second season of basketball specifically yeah um so i think with anything it's it's going to take a little bit of time but i think the reason they started basketball was one the whole give somewhere give them a place to play in the offseason. And two, because of the star power you have with Natasha Cloud and someone like that being on board to do it, it's a little bit different than doing the softball and volleyball and things like that, which they have very big audiences coming out of NCAA, right? Huge -hmm. audiences. And I think that's a
2: huge point. That's a huge point around uh, across all these sports is – this like the the top of the funnel is it were, coming in from the NCAA level you know what we saw with March Madness this year on the women's side you know we've seen with softball and this year you know record ratings volleyball is getting you know 16 18,000 people in the stands you know this is the, you know we we talk about this all the time I think we even say it in this piece like it's having a moment mm-hmm. um and so the question is really like can they seize it and sort of you know, consolidate the gains as we, and it's always been a thing where
3: we've talked about how can the WNBA capitalize on the, you know, of March Madness and those stars. So that's basically what they're trying to do with every big NCAA sport that, for that women are right. 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 Right.
1: Especially since once you've excelled in the NCAA, what do you do after that? There is no existing league for these star players to graduate into. The
3: only like softball, even since it's not really in the Olympics anymore is, Is they don't really have a place to play they had a league that folded actually like two or three years ago yeah Um, but yeah you just can't you can't
1: play your sport anymore yeah you have to move on and get a dust job which is
3: pretty insane when you have her play in front of 16,000 people
1: Well, it's a great episode, and I really enjoyed watching it. Athletes Unlimited, Episode 6 of the Next in Sports Series. And, of course, you can watch that on Bloomberg Television at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It's also available on YouTube and Bloomberg.com the following day, and where you can also catch up on previous installments. Thanks, guys.